normal human persons, and welcome to the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. I'm your host, Peter. This week on the show, we have the one and only Chris Broach. You may know Chris from Braid. You may know him from The Sparrow, Sunset, Firebird Band, The Firebird Project, The Firebird Suite, The Patrick Dance, and a host of other phenomenal recording projects. The Chris Broach you all know and remember is still the Chris Broach of today with a whole lot of life experience in between. You have to understand this isn't a man in his teens and early 20s spazzing out on stage. This is a man who's seen every side of what it is to be a recording artist, to be a husband, to be a parent and to be a mortal being carving out a life on this miserable and sometimes uninhabitable planet of ours. Chris has a perspective that a lot of us do not. A perspective that I think you all need to take in, understand, and appreciate. I think you'll find what he has to say insightful humbling, unique, and utterly beautiful. So without further ado, I give to you Chris Broach on the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast. All right, Chris, uh, do I have your permission to use your uh, likeness, voice, and otherwise for the uses of this podcast? Yes, yeah. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you. Thank um, you. I've been really looking forward to this because uh, just to start it all off, not to like, you know, fanboy out on you or anything like that, but I've legitimately been listening to your music since 1995. So, you know, you know, since I was a 19 year old man and you and I were only born three weeks apart. Really? Uh, fun little fact. Yeah. You were born okay. on September 5th. I was born on the 27th of 1976. Wow. Okay. So same year too. Yes. That's yes. crazy. That's good. So legitimately, since we were both 19 years old, I've been enjoying your music. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with what it is that I do uh, with this format and this show, but normally my first question to every artist is exactly the same. I think your answer is going to be vastly dissimilar than most because you have a you have a deeper understanding of, of of what it is to be immortal, but I always ask everyone, what is it that existentially you're most terrified of? Hmm. Now, normally when I ask this question, it's not of a human being that is, A, as old as you and I are, as long in the tooth as we sure. are, and hmm. B, people who have not kind of faced down the same sort of you know, uh, mortal certainties that you have. Mm -hmm. So I think your answer would be a lot uh, more pertinent than most. Well, so <clears throat> what's my biggest existential fear, huh? Um, it's um, it's one of those things that I that I um, that I have revisited a lot um, mm -hmm. lately. You know, and, and in you know, in fact, as 
recently as, you know, yesterday, you know, I just, I think about this stuff a lot because of, you know, the last few years, what I went through, like I, I uh, you know, everybody went through COVID, but right at the start of COVID, I got diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. So that was not a lot of fun. Yeah, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> and let, let me just be, be honest with that. And it's still not, um, I'm, I'm, um, you know, I'm on the other side of it, really, luckily, you know, I'm, and I'll knock on wood, you know, I mean, I'll take any luck or anything anybody wants to throw my way. Right. Um, uh, the truth is that, um, you know, I saw, I, I literally went to see my oncologist yesterday. Uh, what's today? Friday? Yesterday? Yeah. yeah. So, um, you know, and, and, you know, here I am wanting an answer like that, like him to tell me like, yeah, man you're cured, you're good to go, you know, like you're done. Because here's the thing, I went through treatment, I went through, I mean, it's pretty, uh, I went through a lot. I mean, yeah. I, I, they had to remove, I had to have major surgery. I mean, they went in and, and took out a part of my, you know, my colon, really. Um, uh, I had colorectal cancer. And so that's, I mean, you know, it's, uh, they found it by accident. Luckily, they found it luckily, but luckily by accident, um, because it was already at a stage, whatever, 3C, which is right before it spreads. Yeah. And so they took everything out. They took, um, yeah, 30, you know, 30 something lymph nodes out. And anyway, once they took everything out, it was in the lymph nodes, but as well from where they found it. But man, you know what? Um, like I could go into more gory details and stuff, but the, the truth of the matter is that what it meant was that they had to give me really aggressive chemo after the surgery as well yeah. to make sure that it wasn't going to spread. And so far, so good. You know, I mean, look, I finished chemo about a year and a half ago and um, I mean, it almost killed me. I mean, what the, the treatment that they gave me almost killed me. I mean, it, it's... Um, for some reason in less than 1% of people, there's a specific side effect where it um, messes with your vascular system, gives you like vasospasms like around the heart. Yeah. So it looks like you're having a heart attack. It can cause a heart attack. And in fact, in my case, um, they still don't know if it did or it didn't, but, um, but you know, the, the first day I went home with the chemo, I was throwing up and I thought, okay, this is normal. I've seen this, I've seen TV, right? I guess sure. people throw up, you know, but I was throwing up every 45 minutes and couldn't stop. And later on, they figured, they found out that I was throwing up every 45 minutes because I was having, um, the vagus nerve was getting like the, the nerve that's, or I think it's the vagus nerve that the, yeah. the one's attacked, like kept getting hit because my heart was going crazy because the chemo was affecting me, you know, and I, they put me on a drip. I took it home and it was a drip. That's what, and it was just continuous chemo. And so, um, so I kept throwing up and finally we called again, like at 2 AM and that, well, we had already called 12 hours before and I had been throwing up straight for, I couldn't hold anything down. And, um, ambulance came and some something happened in, in the ambulance. I don't really know, but I, you know, I felt like I got hit in the chest with a baseball bat. I sat up and felt myself leaving through my fingertips. I mean, I'm not kidding. I'm not just I'm not making, you know, like it was right. 
and then I don't remember what happened. You know, I remember lying there and and them having like they, they were getting out the paddles. And I'm like, no, like I, I sat up and said no. Like this yeah. is what I said. I'm like, no, right? And um they were I saw them um doing this, you know, warming up the paddles, right? And I'm like, and I'm and I couldn't respond anymore because I had just fallen back down because I almost I almost lost consciousness and I didn't. But man, um, and then I don't remember what happened. And then I found out, you know, then the next day I was transferred to a, a larger hospital so they could take care of me. And um, I had some kind of ischemic attack. Um, so, and then they did all these tests, right? They threw all this stuff at me. They put stuff through my arm, you know, like to look at my heart. They put a camera in, they put a camera up my leg and, and through my arm. And like, no, I, I, I mean, no artery damage, no, like, like no, no blockages, you know, like I'm, 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 I, at the time I was 43, I'm 45 now. I, I, I've always been pretty healthy, you know, like pretty in, in good enough shape and always taking good care of my heart, you know, and I was vegetarian for a long time too. So I don't eat a yeah. lot of real meat. I mean, I eat a little bit of meat these days, but um, not, not much, mainly fish. Um, but anyway, um, you know, I think that probably helped me though, being vegan and vegetarian for so long. Oh, you know? for, for certain. Um, for yeah. Certain, so, yeah. So long story short, um, you know, all this stuff happened and, and, you know, I was living with, so then I had, um, I couldn't walk from my bed to the bathroom in my house, just, you know, 20 feet without, um, almost passing out for six months. And it was because my, not only was I getting chemo, a really aggressive chemo treatment, but, um, my heart wasn't keeping up because of the, the attack that had happened. And so um, I was just lying in, the, in my room in my bed um, every day, all day for, for months. And, you know, I, that's right when the pandemic hit. So the worst thing about all this was that I went to all the treatments, all the hospitals, all the stuff by myself. My wife couldn't even come. Um, and I've got three kids. Like my kids are young. My kids are still young. At the time they were five, three, and one. Mm -hmm. um, and um or almost maybe six, four, and two almost, but because they're gonna be eight, six, and four. Um they all have April birthdays for it just worked out that way. <laughs> so um, but in any case, um yeah, man, no one could come see me. Uh, and and uh I would I would like FaceTime my wife and the kids at night from the hospital. It was just, dude, I mean, you can't imagine. I mean, maybe you can, but you know, I mean, I don't, I can't speak for anybody else. I, I couldn't have imagined um, going through that ever, you know, going through any of that. And, and, you know, I, I went through all these, all these stages of everything, right? Like all the, why me, you know? And then what 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 it turned into is why not me? Like if if you know I'd rather it be me than someone who couldn't handle it, or you know, or or then then like my wife or my kids, or you know, like and not yeah. from a martyr person, not like not you know. No, no. But once yeah. you're a parent it's, and a husband, yeah, yeah. That, that is the way you look at life. If you yeah. if your heart's in it. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, and it's it's it um. It really changes you, you know, so, so, you know, I, I mean, and so I saw my oncologist, so I went through all this stuff, 
my heart's finally better. I saw my cardiologist a while, a little bit back, and she said, you're, you're healthy, you're good. You can start lifting weights and doing, you know, exercise. I like to exercise, right? And so she's like, you can start doing that again. And, and, and you're, you're fine. I got off some of the heart medication that I was on. And anyway, we had to do a whole lot of stuff. We I had to take all this heart medicine just so they could give me the chemo medicine so that my heart wouldn't freak out. So we had to have this protective layer of medicine over the chemo, which was so weird. Wow. Um, so you're um, like dumping beta blockers and everything else on top of the chemo. Pretty yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, and I had those, you know, those, those weird like nitroglycerin tabs that people have like that yeah. have issues. And um, I had those and um, luckily I didn't need them except for a couple of times, but I'm better. You know, I'm fine. I mean, like the, the doc said, you know, my cardiologist said like, you're the, I mean, you're the healthiest patient I have, so I'm not concerned, you know? And I said, oh, okay, great. You know, um, this was the other day, but I see my, my oncologist today and, you know, it's the chances of recurrence with the kind of cancer I have are 60%, like six, like, it's not like it's, it's not like, it's like, you know, one in five, it's like, you know, it's like two out of three, you know, um, yeah. or whatever, right. Or whatever, six and 10. So almost, almost six, 60% basically. And so the, the truth is that, um, that that used to affect me, but man, they treated the hell out of it. And I have, you know, I've had one scan I've had like, you know, all the kinds of exams they need to give to people that have these problems and everything looks great. Everything's mm -hmm. healed. It looks good. Um, they don't see anything and I'm going to have another scan in June. So I'm just going to continue to knock on wood and, you know, hope that it, it stays that way. Um, you know, and, you know, the, the crazy thing is like, I mean, this isn't even the so so the the craziest part about this is that i had just finished not even kidding you when i was diagnosed with this i just finished treatment for um like i i used to drink a lot so i, I had an alcohol problem and um happens to a lot of people um oh, yeah. especially people in uh you know the the touring life that that i knew um and you know, and, and people who don't do that. Um, but, um, but I had to go through treatment and I had just finished it. And so, um, and you know, it hadn't even, it hadn't even, it had worked mostly, but I was still, I was not, I wasn't done. And I got diagnosed with cancer and, um, I never had another drink again. I just, I was <laughs> you know, I'm like, okay, uh, I, I, and I didn't want one and I'd still don't, you know, um, it's just a weird, so that's kind of a weird, um, a weird little, you know, maybe it saved my life in a way, you know? Um, oh, I would, I would say so. I mean, I had a heart attack when I was 22 because I was abusing heroin. Oh, geez. So yeah. like, you know, yeah. sometimes your body tells you pump yeah, the brakes. It's time, it's time to cut it out. Yeah. Pump the brakes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I can't say there haven't been relapses along that route, but as you well know, having been in programs, you know, it's, it all starts with today anyway. So, yeah. I mean, you're not, it's not self-forgiveness, but to successfully work any sort of program, you have to not forgive yourself, but just start again. Like, okay, I'm restarting right now. Well, I mean, if you don't, like, what are you going to do? You're just going to pine away and 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 yeah. imagine all that could have been, and 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 also, 
not just that could not that could have been, but all the things that you could have done differently or or things that you regret or whatever it is. And and you can still regret those things, but just, you know, the truth is you just have to move forward. And I I, I have to be, you know, truthfully, I actually think being um, because it's not wasn't the first time I went through treatment, right? right. Either the, the the last time I did. And um I think having been in that kind of a program before um, actually gave me uh, some better tools to deal with this health problem because I, I think it really helped me with acceptance. Um, the acceptance of, I mean, look, you know, you know, I'm, I was, so I was 43 and I was like, okay, you know, I had just put out or I was about to put out, I hadn't even put out yet the second uh, sunset record. Mm-hmm. We had just finished a touring cycle from the first record in 2018. I'd done some shows in 2019 and then stopped to go through, do some of that stuff and, and to go through, through some treatment. And um, I was in it for, you know, a good six, seven months. And um, <clears throat> so, so, you know, and then, and then like the pandemic hit, I got diagnosed, all this stuff happened. And um you know, I was I was working a, a, a contract job at the time. Um, I do tech work, and and um, so my day job, I'm a I, I work for a company, and I do like um, technical product management is what they call it. But yeah, um, it, who cares, right? It's it, I mean, it's I, I like it. It's fun. It's interesting to me, but yeah. I'm, I'm a plumber by trade. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean. yeah. I mean, it's it's fun. You know, I work in I work in tech with some really cool people and really intelligent people, and um, uh, we do some cool things. I, I like the kinds of problems that I get to solve at work. But I was doing something similar, and um, I was on a contract position though, so I wasn't full time. So I got sick, and and like immediately, like you know, I tried to keep with it, you know, keep with the job, but I couldn't because I was getting going through treatment, and just I couldn't I couldn't walk from the bed to the bathroom. I could you know can imagine what else happened. You know, on top of all that, the crazy thing is the chemo. So this is what my oncologist said. So I keep getting back to this story, right? So a lot, a lot of side roads here, obviously, right? Quite all right. Um, um, so my oncologist says to me, he says, um, okay, I said, look, you know, so I'm, I, I make a joke. I'm like, so am I cured or what? You know, because I just, I honestly just want him to tell me, yeah, you're good to go, buddy. You know, you're going to yeah. be fine. You know, like, <laughs> come on, son, you can do it, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> Will you be my dad? No. Uh, so, <laughs> so um, I'm kidding. I have a great dad, but um, but the 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 truth is that uh, <laughs> that's what I want. That's what I want him to do, and he he um, he doesn't, you know, because he's a good doctor, right? He knows what he's talking about, and he says, you know, um, God willing, knock on wood, you know, the kinds of things that that you say right? Because he doesn't, he's like, I don't have a crystal ball. You know, he's like, if I did, I wouldn't have to work here. Right. Um, but you know, I mean, in so many words, he didn't, not that exact stuff, but but he's great. You know? And he's like, I said, you know, like, what do you think? What do you give my chances at? Like, what do you think? You know? And he's like, well, given that you're young and whatever, and you know, you're young when this happened. And he's like, I'd say, you know, with the amount of spread that you had you're we're at a 50 50 now that it'll come back and like that's better than 60 40 you know and so that's the only that's like the takeaway right it's better than 60 40 and honestly man i'll tell you what 
I actually, I, so I, I was talking to someone about this today, or, or maybe I, maybe I posted it on my Facebook wall. That's what I did. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's the so, same uh, thing at this point anyway. Sometimes I just, yeah, uh, man, so much stuff. I mean, with, with um, the kids and, and work and, and music and everything else, it just, it all blends together. Um, so what were we talking about? <laughs> yeah. Well, we were talking at that point. Um, your doctor had given you 50 50. So, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. been discussing with someone that fact, and that's where we digressed. Yeah. And so, so here's the thing. So I said, you know, okay, good. You know, what, what are we going to do? I, 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 my belief is that I just have to believe that I'm going to be fine, you know? And, yeah. but it also means there are things that I need to change about myself to make sure that I get the most out of whatever time I have here, whether it's, you know, two years or, or, or 200, right? I mean, whatever it is, right? It's not going to be 200, let's be honest, but maybe 20, maybe 40, you know, um, if, if I'm real lucky, you know, 50, but, mm -hmm. um, but here's the thing. Um, I don't know what to, like, I don't know how to talk about that. Like, and I also don't know how to feel about that. And I don't know how to like, it's hard to process and, you know, are there like groups that deal with this kind of stuff where you can go and talk to people? Probably. Yeah, but, there are. Yeah, yeah. There are. Um, but, but you know, the, the truth is that um, I'm just, I just deal with it in my own way these days. Just, I'm just thinking, you know, I'm a real, I think a lot. And, you know, I, sometimes I need to get out of my head, which is, which is true. But yeah, so what's my biggest existential um, fear? Uh, I, I think, I think I've been trying to put, I mean, even since before this, like it was always just, you know, so I'm going to digress a little bit. So, so that my whole life, even from the time I was little, I would think about space, right? Oh, you're going to blow my fucking mind right now, but go for it. <laughs> I would think about space and the stars and the distance, right? um between the stars and how how really far away everything is right? oh, and not just <laughs> not just how far away but like how like incredibly like and also at the time when i was growing up we didn't i don't think we knew how big the universe was at the time right no. and so i used to stay up at night and think like how can it not end what you are you are my fucking like you're my soulmate <laughs> this is my existential fear yeah keep going i'm sorry i don't want to fuck you up keep going well, yeah but well so so but what does that mean and then what does that mean for us and then what does that mean for and the more we find out right the, the you know when we start now we and, and so now we know that it's what 13.6 billion years old because that's as far as they can see right yeah and so and so like, you know, the closest star is what, four year, light years away, Alpha Centauri or whatever it is, right? Yeah. If, if you remember from the, the last Starfighter. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what it's from? Yes. From that movie? Um, um, but in any, anyway, in any case, um, you know, so, but, but what that means is, right? And then so, so I have this problem where I start looking, like I start asking questions and start looking on the internet now now that it's at my fingertips which it didn't used to be and it doesn't make it better 
it makes it worse because I know how far things are. And now I know the direction and the way that um, our solar system travels and the fact that it's just, you know, we're traveling at whatever it is, 18 um, uh, something per second, you know, like I, I can't even remember what it is. I just read it last night um, because of that fridge shaped um, comet that hit uh, near Iceland or whatever. Anyway, mm -hmm. but what, so when I get back into this, what, what it, what it becomes is why does anything I do here matter? What does, what does what I do here on earth in the big scheme of everything, what does it matter? I mean, there are bil billions, trillions, trillions probably of, pla of planets. I don't even know how big a quadrillion is, but it's, there's probably, I don't know, you know, but there are so many planets, so many stars, so many star systems, so many, you know, what does this mean? Does it mean that life is, you know, once we, if, do we find life somewhere and does it mean that there's life everywhere and so that it's not so unique? Or does it mean that we're absolutely unique in, in the universe? And I, I, for, for one, I don't believe that. I don't, I don't either. But, but, um, but I think it's, you know, for, for the whole of humanity, people, people, um, well, not the whole of it, but for a long time in humanity, people have leaned on religion to answer these types of questions, right? And and there weren't these types of questions. There weren't questions about space, right? Because they used to think it was a crystalline structure wrapped around the earth, or they used to think yeah. that the earth was, you know, different, right? And so, um, and so... Anyway, um, the, so the point that I get to is like the more we find out, it, it makes me think like, okay, well, well what's past that 13.6 billion year? You're fucking me up. Year, um, <laughs> uh, you know, um, a, a horizon that we can't see, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, um, and if there's something beyond that, how the fuck big is that, right? Yeah. And, and, and that, it's not, while it's not an existential threat, it's an existential, just, it, it just, it's like, you know, zooming out on Google Maps, but times whatever, you know, times infinity. And, and that is so hard to comprehend for me. And, and religion doesn't solve that, that for me, right? I'm, I'm not a religious person. I, I grew up religious. Um, mm. Not, I, I technically kind of wasn't, I always questioned everything, and which is why I, I think I ended up not being religious because there was never an answer you know and the more that i question the more that people say well questioning isn't faith and these kinds of weird things right and unless so you're, unless you're jewish yeah then you're well, supposed to question it <laughs> is that is that true yeah, yeah that is one million percent true yeah okay okay yeah so mine i was a methodist that's what well, i was thinking. yeah i grew up catholic so we're not supposed to question anything either but. yeah yeah <clears throat> so so the truth is though that i ended up um really just so so i start thinking about how minuscule and unimportant the things the things that 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 we're doing here are and 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 while that can be scary um it's very very scary right because you know, it, just like the dinosaurs, we're going to blink and 750 million years or 350 million years, whatever it is, 200, whatever, 200 million years are going to pass and it won't even matter. I wasn't here, you know, everything's been 
covered over and you know the earth will be dead in four billion years right or whatever it is whenever the sun explodes what is it, a, mi a billion a so, billion something like that yeah yeah so so the truth is though that doesn't matter and so so the grounding piece the whole the whole let me sum up the end the ending is this it does matter it matters because it is so precious life is so 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 um unique to the entity that experiences it mm -hmm. and and not just me not just you not just my kids or you know but but flies and everything else and it's um and it's special it's really special you don't get to do it again you get one chance Yep. You get one time ever in an infinite universe, you know, and and I have to believe that the the universe is infinite. I don't believe that it like I, I don't like to believe that it will end in a cold, dark, you know, like when you start looking at what happens in, in a trillion years or whatever, like it's supposed to spread out and cool off and everything's supposed to die and, and, the, and it, the elements eventually break apart. But but um I just have to believe that it's on a recycle conveyor belt, you know, recycling through black holes and things. That's that's what I like to believe. But honestly, maybe that's just another form of faith, you know. And 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 what makes what what the other thing is on an infinite timeline. And here here's here's the other piece, on an infinite time timeline, given an infinite amount of possibilities. Don't you think that there's an there's an infinite chance that I'll be I'll get to experience this again? You know, in my opinion, yes. Yeah. And I, I really like after you've gone through all that, I want to share with you not only my fear, but the impetus for that question, mm -hmm. because I've interviewed 30 some odd people. I've gone over this once about 15 episodes ago. So anyone listening right now knows <laughs> okay. approximately what I'm talking about. I can't wait to hear it. Good. Since I was a very, very small child, and unfortunately, when I was very young, my parents thought I had a learning disability or I was, you know, autistic or something because I didn't talk much. Mm. I didn't pay attention in class. What had been happening was I wasn't challenged enough. And yeah. I was I was thinking I wasn't I was trying to process reality and I ended up skipping a grade and ended up having uh, a 135 IQ in second grade. Hmm. Apparently that entire time, I remember it, they don't, but I'd been thinking about infinity, thinking about, you know, the fact that the universe, as we knew it, although expanding has an end, and at that end is what a blackness. Is it's yeah. a blackness. There's nothing. Hmm. And that, has absolutely terrified me, haunted my dreams, and given me panic attacks yeah. from the age of five. I don't think I, I knew what it was until I was in my 20s. And that's when I learned what the panic attack was because I finally was treated for it because I ended up in the emergency room because I couldn't stop thinking. When I think about space, I feel like I'm falling and that's the worst. Yeah. Because, you know what I mean? Like that's so I don't do that anymore. <laughs> like I, I like, don't let my mind do that anymore. Not only yeah. were we born a couple weeks apart in the same year. Yeah. But what we are, and you can go back and listen to my past episodes and yeah. you, will, you will hear me talk about this. Yeah. I, I have been utterly 
terrified of this idea since I was a small child. Yeah. Is, is that really hell? The, yeah. the, the vacuum or, or do we find another universe or what? And I, it starts to, I start to obsess to the point where I can't stop myself. Wow. And yeah. the mind just. Yeah. And, and it keeps going. Right. Yeah. And it piles one piece of, for me, that's what happens. It piles one piece upon another. Yeah. And, and each conclusion is more terrifying than the last. Yeah. Right. It's yeah. like, for me, I'm like, Oh my God, is this, Oh, so that would mean, and then that would mean, and then in my, and then each time that happens, I feel smaller and smaller and my, I feel like I'm falling. It's awful. So I don't, I, I, I really try hard not to think about it, but it's awful. I mean, it's, it's like an, it's this weird, it is almost an obsession. It mm -hmm. is because, because it's, it's hard for me not to think about because it's so fascinating to me. Yeah. Like it's so fascinating that like what even is everything. Right. And so, and we sound like just a couple of weird stoners or something, but well, Star Trek nerds at the very least. Yeah. 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 That's right. <laughs> But, but, um, uh, you know, truth, the truth is that, um, that it's just, well, there is a truth that we know now, right. And, and that's that there is a universe and there are, you know, there space is not completely empty, right. Right. But we still don't know some of the, some of the stuff like dark matter and all that other stuff. Anyway, we don't have to go in the, into that. So my existential crisis is, is always that, you know, that we're flying around in a black void, you know, yeah. um, and that's, you know, that's it, you know, and, and like, that's how the rest of the universe is. And what, you know, it, and eventually it leads to all these other conclusions about, well, if there are other, are other races, will we ever meet them like animal or, or alien type of life? You know, I mean, just all these things. And it's so, it's so fascinating. so interesting, but at the same time, because of the distances that I, that I think about in my mind, it's so frightening. Yeah, of course yeah of, of course and i think a lot of that also has to do intrinsically with ego because you and i and the rest of humanity are thinking or or inferring naturally that mm -hmm. whatever is out there is going to be some sort of carbon-based oh sure yeah yeah and it may not form. yeah, and, yeah. It, and, and it very possibly could be something that could occupy that negative darkness that that you know, because Hang on. I yeah. got to get this book. I just read. I got to tell you what it is. Hang on. Okay. Um, sorry. I was just, I was looking for it. I can't find it. Um, oh, no, I, think I, I think I checked it out from the library. That's why it's by the guy who wrote, um, what's that one, that, that book where Matt Damon, uh, it's Matt Damon wasn't in the book, but he lands on Mars and the Martian, like, the Martian, the guy who wrote the Martian wrote a new book. Okay. And it's really good. And it, they're in the book. Um, it's about spacefaring humans and they meet a, a, an alien life form. And it's so cool. And it's so interesting. That had my mind spinning. But this is another one that I've been reading, which is called Scale. Okay. And it's um, by Jeffrey West, but it's the universal laws of growth um, and different things, sustainability. Um, or cities as organisms and things like that, but it talks about scale, like how, how things scale and how things grow. Anyway, um, it's it's cool. Sorry, that's that was wasn't the book I wanted to show you. I can't remember what the other one is called. I'll have to look it up. 
No, that's all right. But I I'll mean, yeah. Where um, I think I think where all of that comes into play, uh, that's why human beings become utter like spiritual because you meet these unanswerable, not just unanswered but unanswerable questions, and in order to comfort oneself, you invent. Okay, you put faith or or you put your heart into something that makes these questions and these fears it, it satiates them yeah you, you know yeah. what i mean so yeah. so you want to put a nice big bow on it and i don't want to get into my whole bent on what i feel the christ was because i would a piss a lot of people off and you know be like people wouldn't accept it anyway even if i told them but what what it all comes down to, I think, in that regard is we can't answer this. Sure. It'll never happen in our lifetimes. Mm -hmm. And even if we do get certain answers, we're never going to get the entire scope of the picture. So you either resign yourself to not knowing, which isn't in my nature. Yeah. Yeah. Or, Me or, yeah. or you, you put it on faith that there is a, a greater purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and what, what that greater purpose for me ha has become it, it. So I think everyone can find what their greater purpose is though. I, I think it's an individual thing. I don't, I mean, I, I don't have like faith that there's some greater design or greater purpose because there just isn't, I mean, to me, there isn't. So, mm -hmm. In, in in my mind, it's really um, what you make it, right? So if if my greater purpose is to be here and make music and um, you know work uh, at a at you know at being at a tech company and to get cancer and you know, uh, but also raise like three kids that I love and try to try to make sure that they have the best shot. Um, at a life that that um, that they get to enjoy and, and love, and, and be happy in, you know, I mean, you know, that has to be part of my greater purpose because they don't have anyone else. It's me, yeah, and and my wife, you know, and so, so it, it's it becomes a responsibility almost because you're responsible for these these creatures' growth and abilities and and not not directly right not directly responsible for their abilities but directly responsible for nurturing and giving them the things that they deserve and need in life and and so um i think being sick for me also helped me to refocus some of my you know some of the negative um self-destructive tendencies i have into more way more positive and and um, uh, nurturing and selfless um, acts. I, I try. I mean, I try every day. I am not a success. Um, well, you know, I mean, like there in, is the, there, there's know. a self obsession of addiction. Yeah, I suffer from it. You suffer from it. We both have small children. I mean, I have a 21 year old daughter, but I have a three year old son too. I hit the oh, family yeah. reset button. Yeah, so we're we're both older dads. And we're both in recovery. Mm -hmm. 
that that addiction is self-obsession in all honesty yeah yeah to to an extreme yeah it's to, and, and to, it's a really an, a, a negative ego loop too you know yeah. and 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 it, it results in perfectionism and some other things that that don't help because you you can never reach that that it's unattainable some of the standards i i hold for even myself you know yeah. and and certainly doesn't help for standards i hold other people to because if i'm holding myself to these high standards i kind of also like by default put everyone else in those exactly. into those same buckets and when they don't meet my sort of um expectations i get upset you know yeah. and and i mean it depends on on the um, the venue, right? So if it's like with my family, it's I, I react differently than if it's somebody in in a mall parking lot who's yelling at me because my kid touched her car. You know, yeah, that's that's a different. I have I have different expectations of people in public than I you know, and, and when someone does that, I react much differently than when it, when something happens like that with someone I know, right? Oh, sure. Um, but but you know, and it's not always healthy. It's it's a little. Uh, that some of the things that 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 i that, that and, and you're right it's it's um i mean you know addiction and, and and alcoholism and things like that are are very selfish um um uh, diseases um and and they're very difficult to overcome even just and, and you know if you ever if anybody's ever been in, in, a, in a program of any kind or had any therapy of any kind um you sort of you know realize that you know it's well it's a disease you know and, yeah, and it's, it's straight up a yeah. uh, mental disease yeah and it, and it's a selfish um um i mean it's a way to protect yourself right so people do this this stuff to protect themselves and to feel better it's you, you do these things because they self-soothe at first, right? Maybe they make you less anxious or whatever it is around people, but eventually they take over and they, they become the problem mm. that you were trying to escape in the first place. When then they feed that more, you know, for me, that's what happened. It, it fed itself and it made me a complete, like uh, I was a different person. I was yeah. just, you know, and um, just not a likable or good person. You know, uh, I did not behave well. And so, um, so I, I had to stop, you know, and, you know, I remember the first time I went through some of that stuff, you know, at a young age and seeing these guys that were my age that I thought were old, you know, now yeah. I look, I'm like, I'm not old, you know, <laughs> like, um, but, but, uh, you know, I remember looking at those guys and going, man, you fucked up your life, bro. You know, think yeah. just thinking that like, God, I can't, you know, because you're judging, you're being, you're still like, you're still not learning, you know, you're trying, but you're just judging these guys for like, for the things that like almost happened to me. You know, I almost wasn't going to be married anymore, you know? And, you know, I, because of, because of my behavior, the way that I behaved when I was drinking. Yeah, because you had that thinking problem. It's not drinking. It's the thinking. It's it's yeah. the way you yeah. think when the drink is involved. Yeah. And it's complete. I think that the truth is, and, and I'm really lucky that I have a wonderful, supportive wife um, who's, you know, who's seen me at my best and worst. 
And, um, you know, it's, um, she, you know, I, I wouldn't remember anything sometimes, you know, did you know what you said last night? No, you know, these kinds of things, you know, and it was just, that, I mean, that's just not the kind of person you can be, you know, I, I can't be that kind of person anyway. So, um, and, and I, again, from some of that perfectionism, I hold myself to a standard that's higher than that. I can't do that, you know? So anyway, yeah, man. So, so that's what I've been doing for the last uh, few years. <laughs> <laughs> With the, and, and we're taking out of uh, the equation, the fact, you know, Sunset put out some incredible fucking music in that time period too. Like incredible. Yeah. Like if, yeah, if you well, want to take like anyone who loved Braid together, <laughs> anyone who loved Braid and loved Massive Attack, if you kind of put those together, you kind of get Sunset. Like there's that whole, uh, you know, the 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 electronics are in there, the the you know the really gut level songwriting that that has that uplift is still there. Your the lyrics are still perfection. Oh man. You, yours have always been um i appreciate that so much but <laughs> I, I i followed you since the firebird project was the firebird band was the firebird suite you know like there, there's i i've 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 taken this entire journey you yeah. know as as a spectator to your triumphs and i you know i i'm not gonna lie there was a part of me that just knew you were as fucked up as i was <laughs> <laughs> you know you don't get to be uh as creatively you know intense as you are without having that seed of <laughs> there's you know. some kind of obsession there yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. i didn't know how i didn't know how similar we actually <laughs> well if if you look at the um the name of the first firebird band album it's the setting sun and its satellites and it's just a you know a reference really to to the fact that it's 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 the same for everyone and it's still here it's going to be here you know what i mean it's just yeah. it's like a it's just ubiquitous weird you know like reference to to space and and and, and our you know the system we live in but Man, it's just, um, but, you know, I, I tell you, I, I think that that fear, I think that part of that fear and, and um, that existential fear that I've had my whole life has led me to try to be, to try to do things um, in a big way. I've always been an emotive person and I don't mean like emo, I just mean emotive. Like I just have a lot of, um, empathy, a lot of, um, I pick up on, um, the vibes of people around me and I can, I can become that easily. Like I can get swept up. Yeah. And, um, and to me creating, I get swept up in it. When I talk to my wife sometimes about it, she's like, why don't you just go out and write for a couple hours? And it's like, if I go out to write, I'm going to be out there like, you know, for, for the rest of the night you know yeah. and uh, you know and maybe into tomorrow right and and but part of that part of that is i get a lot a lot of energy a lot of energy from other people i yeah. just do i always have and and um 
I haven't had a band like to play with, like guys that I play with, like in a room for a while. Sunset, um, Sunset really started out me and this guy Steve, just kind of on the computer writing stuff, and then we eventually turned it into a band, and then we toured as a band, and then, um, but um, the last record was literally me in my studio. Uh, I mean, some of the songs I wrote on my phone, you know, um, like with like drum machines and stuff on my phone and then turned them into songs in, in a regular, you know, in, in my studio. And um, but I get so much energy from working with other people. And some of those records like that, that, that we did, it, it's all the, it's all vibe and it's all just there's no i don't think i ever i always went into that stuff trying not to leave anything on the table you know just go all out and get it get it all out oh, and yeah. and i don't even know half the things i was singing about you know but but you know i look back i'm like oh i know what that's about now you know what i mean like like yeah um but but at the time you just i'm just throwing my emotions out there you know going back to the beginning of it all though i mean like people called it emo but what it really was, you, do you remember back in the, like the early to mid nineties, they didn't call us emo. We were melodics. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Play melodic hardcore. It's mo your melodics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, it, for, to, for, to, well, for me, it was like, I think we got into, like I got into Fugazi and then, well, first thing I was in the minor threat in like when I was in maybe sixth, seventh, seventh grade or something like that. Someone showed it to yep. me, you know, yep. and it was like, this is, it changed my life because up until then I had been listening to like Huey Lewis in the news. And I also was listening to like seventh and eighth grade, listening to a lot of sixth grade, a lot of rap, like hip, like old, like run DMC, LL Cool J, all yep. that stuff back in the day. And, and um, you know, of course I was like hiding my NWA tapes and stuff for my mom, you know, that's like, my life. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's my childhood. Yes. Yeah. Uh, listening and playing super Mario brother and listening to NWA and easy E and two live crew and all that stuff. Yeah. And, and, and just, just bad, awful stuff. Right. At the time. I mean, now the stuff that's out there is even worse, but, but, um, but well, it's hard to get worse than two live crew and easy E, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, easy does it still such a good record I, actually yeah it is it is um <laughs> but i forgot what i was telling you i, I think i got sidetracked on the, 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 the way we music. the way we got into yeah, like the yeah, whole so melodic into, hardcore thing I got into punk yeah and and then i got introduced to like oh you should hear this band like you know naked ray gun or peg boy you know oh, and, so and good, yeah. we'd be skating and just blasting you know and of course green day came in like well before they were green day dookie you know but like green oh, day, yeah before, yep. like when they did what 2000 hour light years or whatever it was yep um and um jawbreaker and and um and then of course then I remember I was a freshman in high school and this guy's like, oh, you should check out Fugazi because you like Money Threat, like it's the same guy. So I did. And it was like, like that just was like, that was it. That Everything was Bulldog Front Waiting Room era. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, I think I, the first album I listened to was Repeater. Okay. And um, and I was just like, maybe, maybe it was, anyway, the first one I bought was Waiting Room. But the one I listened to first was Someone Let Me Borrow Repeater. And I was like, this is like, 
this is what I want to do. This is what it's, this is the right, this is the kind of music I like. I don't like any other music. And then I bought everything from Discord. I bought like, I, we got into Hoover and all, all the Discord band, like. That Lincoln Hoover split seven inches. Yeah, that oh. is the best one. Yeah, That's the, the best Hoover. one. Yes, yes. And then um, I remember my, my friend was like, you should check this one out because it was Nation of Ulysses. And mm-hmm. I, I heard it, hated it. But then at first, yeah, at first I hated it. And then I, I, I don't know how I revisited it, but then I revisited it and then I loved it. <laughs> I loved it, you know? And then of course, you know, um, actually right at the beginning of pan- the pandemic, right before, um, before we went into lockdown and before I went to have surgery, I had just been diagnosed. Um, I went and saw the makeup at, oh. uh, at the empty bottle in Chicago. Um, and that was in, would have been in March of 2020. Um, and that was great. It was good. Um, a guy in that band plays in a band with, uh, one of the guys who used to play in the Firebird project and, and, and Firebird suite. He's, um, I think the drummer or he was the touring drummer of the makeup. Um, I forget what the band is called that he played hammered halls, maybe or hammered halls. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Chris Wilson on drums. Yeah. Yeah. He's our old, the old drummer for us, but yeah. So, um, yeah. And, and, just fun you know like i mean i I always love that dc stuff but anyway but yeah dude it it was um and that was like what pegboy was pegboy was like like it was punk but it was also bordering on a little bit like a little bit of hardcore like it was punk but then they got into like (laughs) i didn't get into that much melodic hardcore i got into it when we started listening to it we somehow someone introduced us to emo as a term and like like my friend had a license plate that said emo core. My brother had a license plate that said emo 11 in high school, you know, <laughs> like 1993 or whatever. Like, and nobody knew what that was, you know, it wasn't a thing. And like, um, and oh yeah. The like, first time I heard it was you'd like, you'd be like, I, ah, you're not going to know. Let's just, <laughs> yeah, just not talk about it. You know. <laughs> I remember when peg boy cha-cha to more came out, it was that perfect conflagration of everything that, you know, naked Raygun had been doing. Yeah. But, but with that little bit of DC thing, even though they were Chicago, there, yeah. there were, there was, there was a really great cross section of almost pop sensibility. Yes. Injected yes. into punk and hardcore. And all, it was just all I can perfect. Hear, like, all I think about is skate. Like when I hear Peg Boy, I literally imagine skating this launch ramp at my friend's house because we listened to it so much. And it was just, I mean, honestly, I just put it on recently again. Peg Boy is a band I keep revisiting. It's Mm -hmm. not, I don't even have to be in the mood. You put on Peg Boy and I'm like, let's go. You know, like, like, I'm just like, yeah, yeah. It's um, so good. Strong Reaction was the- Strong Reaction's the best. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then there was the, um, it was like a five song EP or something. I don't remember what that one was. Cha-Cha Damore? Was that it? No, I think it was another one. I could be wrong. Anyway, maybe that was it. I don't remember. But yeah, I loved, I loved that. And then um, Naked Ray Gun. Yeah, man. But, but so all that got, I found my way to like, like that was like the precursor to like the Fugazi and, and that whole emo scene. And then some of our friends played in a band and then they started playing with other bands and we met all these guys. And then I went away to school and joined a band and then dropped out of school. Like I went away to college. I was 17. 
because I was always young for my age. Yep. And, well, uh, we're, we were born the same time. So yeah, we were always the youngest kids in class. That's right. Yeah. And you yeah. skipped a grade, right? You said, yeah. so you would have been the young, even way younger, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, so I got to, I went to Champaign, U of I in Champaign, Illinois. And uh, I went to go see a show before even my first class because um the guy who was playing in the band had played in the band I liked in high school in the, in the Chicago scene. And uh, I'm like, let me just go check it out, you know? And my friend was going from high school. We were, we had both gone down there, not together, but we just turned out we were going down there. We used to skate together a lot. So we went and saw the band and with him and a couple of other guys from high school that I knew. And I ended up leaving the band, leaving the, the show as a member of the band, just started talking to, talking to the drummer after the show and and uh, that's how I joined Braid. That was yeah. it. <laughs> so um it was fun. It was a fun thing. Well, I think what's fortunate for you but is... that's that 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 then became like what people started defining as emo, which yeah. is weird to me because I did not define emo at all but with what we were doing, you know? I mean, we kind of did. We kind of knew we were kind of part of that scene, but even back then it was frowned the term was frowned upon. You know, yeah. I mean, hundred percent. Like people are like, "Oh, you're emo, whatever." You know, yeah, especially at that time period. But you know, we had such great examples at that point because you had everyone from Hum to Sunny Day Real Estate to Mineral to Fugazi being considered emo. Even Quicksand were considered. That was weird to me when people were calling Quicksand emo. It's weird to me to hear Hum as emo because I always thought of them more like smashing pumpkins metal Spa yeah space yeah. rock yeah they're, yeah they're a space rock band but yeah. They, they yeah. have the pedigree so you, you kind of have to lump them in with hardcore even though they don't have a hardcore yeah. sound yeah, yeah and the same thing with you guys because as much as you had the pedigree because you all came from it to me it was really fantastic indie rock yeah yeah because yeah to, to me like you had more in common with Texas is the reason than you did with Sunday day real estate. And when you say Texas is the reason that's a fucking indie rock band. Hmm. Early well, they, Jimmy they, world is an indie rock band. They're not yeah, they've got that melodic, like indie rock sing along type stuff. Although we went, we took it a lot more math. You know? Yeah. You got artier. You, you're far more prog, which I, I would kind of say fit you in more with Sunday day, just because Sunday day were a prog rock band. Yeah, yeah. Who came yeah, from I, hardcore? Yeah, you know? time. yeah, yeah. And now they're like synonymous with like, like big emo, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. It's, but, it's, but it's interesting. I mean, it is, you know, like that whole, like the whole like evolution of, of all that, like emo, like, well, it's punk. It's, it's really just hardcore. Well, it's indie, you know? I, I mean, it's, it had, it had different names, you know? Still it, with it, the it, music. Well, it started off as we called everybody you're melodic yeah you're yeah melodic. that's right yeah you're melodic <laughs> like and as much as i used to go along with it when i'd be going to like a sick of it all show when i was like in sixth grade or a seven second show when seven seconds started to get really melodic i was like yeah okay so i am melodic so what yeah, <laughs> yeah. and and the rules changed but you know, there was always the stigma and there was always like hiding the t-shirt from even the people who you started 
getting weird with to begin with because we were all <laughs> weird to begin with man it was weird yeah yeah and yeah. and like why can't i just be weird with you and not adhere to the same rules and strictures that you're holding yourself up to that was the part that always upset me yeah but i, I not, think, oh not being allowed to sort of be who yeah. you to be because it didn't fit in with the idea of what you want to be right yeah. <laughs> i mean or what other people think that idea is i know it's like this weird like but here's the thing i also for me i also was like a new wave kid i mm. love secure i love depeche mode i loved um, i named my daughter after a cure song you did a letter to elise that's what i named my daughter after that's great i mean they were my first favorite band when i was a young kid um i think i think they were well they were my first favorite band who wasn't like a i mean if you look back at like 1979 or so they were way more punk than um than new wave but yeah. they still had that whatever that new wave thing was like if you listen to like boys don't cry album that was my first album that yeah. i that i bought and i loved it loved the but that was it that turned that 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 changed it i think that must have been you know freshman year or something or, or maybe it was summer before freshman year but before that i was listening to all that rap and all that other stuff and then yeah like and I I remember going and and buying like Bon Jovi and like Guns N' Roses and stuff, at the time I think it was in seventh grade or something, and then at some point it just flipped. It was all like I got into punk and then like punk led the way to everything. I mean, but then there were so again you get into all this punk stuff and and there's so many different versions of what punk is, whether it's emo or or indie or whatever it is. Everybody pretty much probably grew up listening to a lot of the same bands anyway you're yeah. we all listening to the cure and listening to, to depeche mode and all that stuff and, but also, and also listening to you know talking heads and things like that right so oh yeah. my first concert was the clash opening up for the who my dad yeah. took me yeah that's awesome and that's combat rock tour so we're talking 1983 yeah we were yeah. pretty young in 83 yeah 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 you know what yeah. i mean and yeah like my examples my i had a father who was a musician who okay. was very open-minded vietnam vet psychopath loved music drummer <laughs> you know what i mean yeah yeah so, like he shared a lot with me sure. so, so like he loved the mc5 he loved the stooges yeah yeah and you know i didn't get them. into them till later i think till like college <clears throat> like i didn't you know i just didn't i didn't even know like i mean i i guess i knew but it was more like you know, like the descendants, big boys, things like that. But just, you know, bands that came like right on that, that after that. Right. So my, more, my, more that punk. my first love, my first love was T-Rex. Okay. I was yeah. five years old. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and it wasn't, it wasn't Electric Warrior. It was the slider. Okay. Cause that was my dad's favorite album by well, them. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, like I kind of had that information going into it. But just like you're saying, the hip hop thing was so inescapable and, and it was yeah. it was so dangerous and so fun. So, of course, we were getting into that. But also the cure was very much happening at that point, And yeah. Guns N' Roses were very much happening at that point. Yeah. So that yeah. was all part of the story, too. Yeah, it was. And, and I think Guns N' Roses like that, that like Guns N' Roses was like 
we're like the bad boys of hair metal, right? And then, you know, aside from like Motley Crue, right? But like they were, the Guns N' Roses were like kind of a lot more bad boy, you know? Well, and they then, were into the misfits. They were into <laughs> the damned. Those guys. Well, the... And that's how you get Jane's Addiction, right? From there, right? <sighs> and then Jane's Addiction, I mean, because you can see, you can almost see that, that progression, right? Jane's mm -hmm. Addiction was amazing. Like, you know, like that that uh first and second record well i i don't know that i love the first record i i think i got into them um at the ritual de lo no yeah it must have been ritual because that's i think when when ben caught stealing came out it must have been 1990 89 and then I went 90 back, yeah yeah and then i went back and and got the album before that the gray nothing cover shocking nothing shocking which was great great oh, incredible album. Yeah. mountain songs on that <laughs> great yeah greatest and um but the one before that, that I, I think there was one before that that I didn't love. The live album. That's uh, Jane Says album. Okay. Yeah. And I didn't know studio it. tracks. It's all live. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's why I didn't like it because it didn't happen. They were, on, they were on, a, on the goth label at that point. They were on Triple X Records. Oh, I didn't point. know that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but man, I mean, you know, and again, but I, I had never, I don't think I ever had, it was always weird because going back to like your conversation about like, okay, you got to hide like this band from these guys or whatever. Yep. I always felt like I had like different groups of friends. Like this group really was into this, these guys, yeah. this one was into this. And these, and with these guys, we listened to this, and, but, it, but I listened to all of it because I yeah. thought I loved it all, you know? And I would even listen, like I, my dad, my dad was into, um, uh, he had like Hendrix records and, and, yeah. and, you know, my mom and dad had seen, seen Hendrix and, and the doors and things like that. And so I got into that stuff. You know, I heard that stuff, and I still have his records from that. And I think they were huge Beatles fans, but that's just the uh, uh, part of what their their time, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, but anyway, yeah, I always had that. There, there's just there are all we're always and and what happened though for me with music was that up until I discovered on my own like rap music, right, and then. Until I was introduced to punk music, I had never had such a sea change or such a, like, as soon as I listened, the first day, and I have to say it again, the first day that I listened, I remember just listening to Minor Threat and being like, what is this? What is this? I've never heard anything like this in my whole life. And why is this so good? Why does this speak to me? And, you know, I mean, we can talk about why. But, you know, I mean, they were singing about like kid shit, you know, like tech, yeah. pretty much like, you know, fighting and not drinking, you know, and like things you couldn't do anyway, or you didn't even want to at that point, because I was only 12 or 13 yeah. Right? Yeah. or whatever it was. And uh, but but I remember being like, I found what I what I like. I'm into punk music, you know, mm -hmm. and that was it. It just it just opened the door, flew, flung the door open. And before that, I had been listening to you know rap was the big thing for me and then but before that it was like huey lewis and the news and just like just you know that was fine it was fine yeah nothing and, wrong but I, but, I, but I never loved it i was never like god this is so good you know never understood music until punk came along for me really but it opened so many doors because what it did was it exposed you to so much and and so i think people i think it was people trying to do a lot with a with not with not a lot right yeah and, and and what that does is give you some real real emotion like real emotiveness right real like you could i mean 
you can't listen to minor threat and not be like raw like just get you just yeah. feel it you know and and you can't listen to like um like old stooges stuff without being like oh yeah i get it you know because they're not kids they're not joking they're not just writing they're not trying to write a pop song they're just doing it because that's what they do yeah you know and and i think that that, that just spoke to me in, in a way that was just so profound i think you know same thing with the the bad brains first the roir cassette that there was something so perennial about that album mm -hmm. that you know it felt like i'd already known it when i'd first heard it yeah like it spoke to you you yeah. got you, you like understood you got it right yeah 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 there was it, it, it was as if it had always been a part of me hmm and I was just now recognizing it. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 Like, oh, I have this hand. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. legitimately the, the emotion. I'm into. Yeah. Yeah. I understand this. Yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, I can't, you know, and, and look, like I grew up, um, I, I also played like, um, like clarinet and saxophone and, mm -hmm. and bass clarinet and all like all going through all this. And, you know, I was like classically trained and I thought it was like, it was fun. I liked doing it all, but like having that sort of background and then hearing this was just like, oh, now I know like what, you know what I mean? Now I understand feeling like now, I, you know, now I understand this. Uh, and I think people have those kinds of, you know, like those kinds of experiences with classical music who really fall in love with you know a certain composer as well i i know that right oh, um, yeah I, I tend to like a lot of um like baroque music i like a lot of like chamber music style yeah. you know like sonatas and and things like that right um and because i just like to have that relaxation and and you can feel it you know you can feel the emotive this in in but it depends on who's playing it too um in yeah. any case um but yeah you know up until then it was just like just this vanilla kind of thing when it came along it was like oh you, you can play guitar if you want that's cool i'm gonna do that you know yeah. actually i failed horribly at it <laughs> for a long time and i you know i i still i when i joined braid i feel like i had been um i had really only been playing guitar a lot for like a year at that time i think i had started around 16 i mean i'd always had a guitar lying around but i wasn't good at all i, I even tried i i the summer before my senior year of high school i had even tried playing in a band a few bands playing guitar and like i you know i played in a couple and it was fun but we played mainly just like um you know like punk music and i usually just sang in a band without playing guitar yeah and i remember doing a, a band where where i did i did play guitar and that was fun me and uh, actually steve holmes from american football mm -hmm. we played in this punk band with our friend uh this guy gubby uh sang for us and um he played in a band with some other guys that that from other bands um but uh yeah it was fun man and uh and we just did that and then but i sucked so bad <laughs> i sucked so bad and then i tried to play in a band with this guy uh with neil keener um from um planes mistaken for stars you, you that's probably oh, where you're from um, yeah yeah 
and uh, uh, he he and I I knew him in high school. I actually sold him my car when I went away to college um, because I I couldn't take it. I couldn't take it with me. So um, so yeah. But I tried to play in a band with him, and I remember playing with him and this guy Steve, and uh, I just couldn't keep up. Like they're like, yeah, I think we're gonna go a different way, man. So yeah, we'll see you later. Then like that was like the summer after my after my senior year, I think. And then I went down and joined Braid. But I just remember not being good enough to keep up because they were super mathy. Like they were trying to be mathy and like he was into like Soul Side and some other bands. And, oh yeah. Which is great. And then uh, but but the guitarist was more into like that like Chicago stop start like gauge. And some of that other stuff, and yeah. we all grew up loving that stuff. We all did, and uh, but I just couldn't hang. I couldn't keep up at the time because I was I was so used to playing punk, like mm. just three chords or four chords, and in different combinations. So I literally I remember sitting down and just playing every day for like three hours because I'm like I can't. I have to. I have to play guitar. I have to like this. I, this is what I want to do, and it's great. So yeah, that's how that's how I. So that angular attack that you perfected by the time you'd gotten into braid, that was something well, that I would say I was definitely still learning how to play guitar when I got in braid. <laughs> right. Right. Was, I, I, I pretended that I was that I wasn't learning, but yeah. There was there was something that like really tastefully straddled melodic and noise. Yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean. That you, that you guys really, really pulled off in a in a, in a beautiful way because that was that was the thing about braid, right? Like there there was like people call it mathy. I to me it was like on the precipice of completely falling apart into something almost psychotic, but it would get reined in with melody. Mm -hmm. You know, and there was that tension. Well, I I think I think that I never appreciated the the way that it pulled together um, at the time. Uh, I mean, I think I did at the time. I think there was a time when I didn't appreciate it as much that some of the vocals that Bob did that would pull it together because of the way that he would sing over these parts that were going crazy. But mm -hmm. we would we would literally, you know, be like, okay, well, let's just let's just do this, and we would just call out a number and just do okay we're going to do two times and one time and seven times and then we'll you know because we were that was like the area code of, yeah. of the place we live 217 so <laughs> you know um or like you know um but i always had i always had a knack for melody for guitar like for for like musical melody mm -hmm. um i don't think that i was ever a, a great singer i i liked to sing but um, especially in the early days, I was pretty awful. I mean, I'm, I'm just be honest. Uh, <laughs> and, and so, so um, you were you were an austere singer for sure, <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the truth is, though, that I was just just wailing my heart out to be just because it's just it was all emotive, man. I mean, I and I didn't I didn't really know how else to be, you know. It was honest. But, yeah, I wasn't trying to be anything. I was just trying to do it. Mm -hmm. But man, I, I, you know, I think for me with with guitar melody, I always had a way of trying to, if something didn't feel right, I would always try and tie it together with something like over the top or, or 
if I couldn't, if, if, if me trying to do something over top didn't make sense, then I would just hang back and do something simple. But it was always, I think my, I think part of me playing in like band growing up in school was knowing that, that you had a place for me, at least in the larger picture, no matter kind of like, like in this part, this is where I'm going to chill and, and be quiet because this is this part you know or whatever it is and in this part but i also think in the beginning we were all trying to be heard so badly that we were freaking out and that's why that it, it was on the verge of collapse right i think it, you know as you play and as you perfect what you're doing or not perfect but continually improve um you, you i think that's where you learn constraint right but right yeah. But I mean, like, you knew, I think even way back then, you knew how to stay in the pocket. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, you have to have rhythm. If you don't have rhythm or, or, or you can't stay on beat or you, you whatever, then then there's a huge problem. But we, we didn't have a problem with that. Certainly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it was just I think everybody was just I, I also think that some of that early chaotic stuff was we were just trying on stuff. Even Braid, you know, even in the early days of Braid, if you listen to that first album to to the third album, really, mm -hmm. there's a huge, huge progression. And the first album was, you know, a dump almost of 26 songs for, for each letter of the alphabet. And we just were like, uh, yeah, we got to write an X song. Let's just do this, you know, like, or, or, or um, you know, and then there were a lot of in-between album songs that we would just be like, gosh, we really love this band Car Bomb from Austin, Texas. Yeah. We, you know, we'd like, we'd be like, oh, let's write this. Oh, let's just freak out. All right, let's do this. Like, you know, I think we were just trying on different stuff. Like, yeah, you know, like, like, let's be like heroin on this song. Yeah. 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 Let's try like this. Like every, like the thing about those days too, and I, it has to work with everybody else too, but at least in those days, we were all influencing each other because yeah. we were all playing together. Right. I was, we were playing with Promise Ring and with, with Get Up Kids and, and all the bands, right? Jimmy World and and then, but then all the other bands that nobody's heard of, right? Like yeah. Bomb and and and, and uh, Chisel, yeah, Chisel, Trigger Quintet and like Blue Tip from DC. Oh, and, they were and, so good. And and all these other bands, you know, Karate and 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 mm -hmm. and each of those things really, they were all so different, all of them so different, but all we were all in the same scene. Yeah. which is which is weird right because they were all so different and so unique and i think we all influenced each other if you look back on some of those things i mean you just it was just everybody playing off each other you know mm -hmm. um and, and and being like yeah let's do that let's do that part where it's like karate in that part i don't remember saying that but i can imagine saying that or right. let's do that june 44 part here you know or whatever it is right so um but man, um, that was fun. That was, those were good times. Yeah. And I think it all like, even though you made some pretty big stylistic switches between, you know, when you went from braid to the next project to the next project, there was always that same sensibility uh, of, of not only melodicism, but of urgency that carried over and carried over so it never got stale boring but it it, it never repeated itself either which I, yeah. I you know i i have to applaud you for that because all of your projects yeah it sounds like you on vocals even though as a singer you've changed drastically 
Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, there, there's a, there's a sensibility that carries over and that makes sense in the larger context of the body of work. Man, I, I mean, you know, for, for for you to say that, like for, for someone else to say that and, and for me not to look at it myself and be like, God, I really hope people can see this as a body of work and understand that like that this goes to this is is kind of a um kind of cool to hear and 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 I appreciate it. Um one thing that I always have said every time I try to do some new project is that I want to do something new. I don't want to rehash something I've done in the past. And it's not because um you know I've been thinking lately like God, I want to I want to do another like full just guitar rock mathy just kill it kind of really fun rock band again you know that's what i've been feeling like lately and mm-hmm. it's just because i haven't done that in so long you know yeah. and and not only that but like um but so 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 in that case though then it would be fresh to me right and new right it still wouldn't i still wouldn't go and try and write songs like braid or like Lespero or like some other like Sunset or the Firebird band. I mean, some of that sensibility from each one might come through. I just feel like it's, I just keep, I get bored and I don't get, it's not that I get bored. It's just that when something feels stale to me, I, I kind of am done with it. I'm done. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, that I did that now. So let's try something new. But in any case, every project I appre- I, I, I do from a musical perspective, um, I try to take a different approach. Even my the stuff I put out solo, which I wouldn't recommend anybody listen to. I really don't like it. I think I'm going to take it down. But um, because I, I just that was just like a kind of like a here's some interesting sketches of songs that are different than other songs I've done. See, yeah. I, I liked that stuff because it was intimate and immediate and like the intention is obvious you know here here's here's what i did here's what's going on right now it's from from my hands and lungs to your ear yeah with zero filter i think it would be a crime if you got rid of it (laughs) i mean that's just my opinion (laughs) that's just that's that's my like um that's like my my filter that that I want to put on things, you know, like, right. okay, that doesn't represent me. But but the truth is that it did represent a point in time. And so I try not, I, I actually don't take anything down. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, the, the truth is I always try to approach things differently. So if I were to start a, a thing tomorrow, it would be, you know, different than, than whatever I would start the next day, you know? Um, and if it's, and the thing I was going to say is I think, playing in i kind of want to this is i I lost my train of thought earlier and now i remember what i was going to say playing in like like group band and like band music um and playing with a group always you always had to rely on the other players right because i was playing clarinet or bass clarinet in in the band and and i know this this sounds so i sound like the biggest dork in the world but the truth is like i knew my spot right and so so you had to rely on the other people and it was it was always um organic it was always this organic feeling and and, and you know the music isn't going to be the same if it's me and the, the 
the 16 other or 27 other kids playing the music than it is with you and 27 other kids. It's going to be different, right? Yeah. And so I've always had that um, reliance on other people. Um, I'm a real, I love to collaborate. Like I love to work on stuff where I can feel like everybody's getting something out of it because that gives so much energy where yeah. we're just all in it and we're just all like, yeah, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling this, right? And everybody's doing something interesting or cool or loves the groove that we're doing or whatever it is. And and that's where I get my energy. And so when I don't get a chance to, to do it, which I haven't had in years just because of all the stuff I've, I've been through, yeah. um, it starts to eat away at me, right? Because I start to get, I feel like I get stale, you know, and I feel like I need that person interaction, that interaction with people to create something. And that's why those, when you say like, they feel like they have that urgency and that energy, it's because I don't think it's, I don't think it's, a, if it's, if it doesn't feel that way, I don't think it's important. Like, I don't think it's an important thing to release, you know, um, I wouldn't want to go and just be like, okay, here's a, here's some chords and, and some music, you know, um, and, and, but it's also always about the guys and gals that you're playing with, you know, because you can't, you know, I can have, we can talk today and, 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 and all this stuff and, and you'll get my perspective, right. On six different projects I've done over the years. Right. But you won't get the perspective of the guy who played in just one of those bands who, felt a certain way and 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 all of that and 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 his perspective is what made that band what it is like right the guys that i played in the band la sparrow with which is one of my favorite bands one of my favorite projects i've ever done and is one release yeah one release yeah and, and uh i wanted to do more but at the time um uh the guys i was playing with were about five years younger than me there were two guys in the band and um maybe six years i just i had met him on craigslist i was looking for a drummer and for for the firebird band a new drummer and i met the guy and we started playing and i'm like we should just start something new because i'm feeling it i'm feeling something new he brought this bass player along and it was just like this is the great this is great this is different and it was like right after the setting sun and the satellites and, and we had done that ep the drive EP the Firebird band had and it was right before Braid did our reunion our original reunion tour in 2004 and um you know and I and I also was playing in another band at the time and these guys were young and so I think they they were also a little bit jealous of the other bands I was playing in and all this other stuff so we didn't get to like continue you know we didn't really get to but they were like I mean that's what La Sparrow was like if like I want to do, like I would love to do that band again if those guys were were into it. But they're all in different places. I don't even talk to one of them. Stood up at my wedding, and we don't. I don't know what happened. We don't talk to each other anymore. I think it's. I I can imagine that I did something that I don't remember. Um, yeah, and, and that may be that. But um. But that Lisbaro that's rendered, unfortunate stuff. You know that but, that stands out. Uh, that stands out in a big way because that had. Uh, it didn't sound like it, but it had the same vibe that something Mark Sandman from Morphine would have done. There's mm. a th th there's a definite groove, like 
We Ever. had, yeah, there was a groove. Yeah, we we really, but it was organic. It was just so deep. And, you know, like I remember doing, um, I, I said, do you guys know anybody who can play like trumpet or saxophone? Because I wanted to get some, uh, especially on one song. And that one sound that sounds like Angelo Battlemanti would have been involved in it. Uh, Amsterdam. It's called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, it's uh, it's super. I mean, that's like that was just that. You know, I think they knew the guys from high school, from the high school band, and they like because these guys had just graduated high school when I met them, and I think I was twenty four, twenty three, and like we just started this band to these two eighteen year old guys and me at twenty three, and it was maybe twenty four, maybe twenty five. I don't remember, but it was just so fucking raw, man. And and the guys, those those these like i call them kids because these kids showed up with trumpets and saxophones and and just i was just like you guys when it hits this part this is where you do this and i need you to do and i was explaining what i wanted them to do and then they'd be like like this i'm like yes right and then so they would just hit it and it was just so there was so much energy i think they were so stoked too to be there right to just to be recording but man um that was a fun record to record we recorded it at truck stop in Chicago, this, I don't think it's still around, but this guy, Elliot used to own truck stop. And, uh, he was always known, uh, around Chicago. He did sound at fireside bowl and other places and, and, um, you know, um, uh, toured with a bunch of, you know, cool bands and stuff, but, um, he owned this, the studio and I recorded it with this guy, Griffin, um, Rodriguez. And he just, it was just, there wasn't a lot of, um, it wasn't like it is now. There wasn't a lot of, um, oh, let's go in and, and fix this or do that. Or, you know, like, like it was yeah. just like, we just put it down, you know? So that was a real fun record. That was probably, that's one of my highlights for sure. You know, that's yeah. a, it, it's incredible to hear that too, because it came across. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it's, it, yeah. it's, it struck me in that manner. And like I'd said, there's that track specifically, like it reminded me of something that if, Angelo Badalamenti had kind of been in the studio with, I don't know, I, I don't want to say braid, but someone in a mathy indie format, you know, yeah. and, and that kind of like that groove hit in just that specific way. That's <laughs> yeah. why, that, that, that's, that's why I kind of like, you know, mentioned morphine as well, because there's, there's just that, that undertone of groove. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then you get the uplift and then you get the noise and it just, it worked in a really, really special way. I yeah. really wish you'd done more than one record with that band. I really believe do. me, believe me. Actually, when I, when I talk about doing another guitar rock band, I always start thinking like, boy, I should really get into to using like delay again um, on the guitar and, and just making it real guitar driven with a with a nice groove under it. You know, I start thinking about it, right? And then I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, now I'm overthinking it. So I don't want to color it. So, you know, but anyway, yeah, that's that is my favorite one. Uh I, and if I if I'm gonna say it for real, like I think that's my favorite record. Yeah. Wow. That that I've done. And and it's the least, probably the least well known, you know. Um, which is fine. That's just the way it is. I'm sure there are lots of musicians who can say the same, right? Where they're, they're one of their favorite records is the least well-known or the ones that they've done. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, um, 
that's it. You know, I, I, I'll tell you, like, I'm feeling the itch again, like real hard, you know, and um, to, to just do something, do like put something together again, you know, something really cool. And, um, and I think, you know, coming out on the other side of all this other shit that I went through, you know, and, and look, everybody goes through shit, you know, and, and, you know, I'm not special for, for, for having had cancer and, 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 you know, having gone through all the other stuff we talked about. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's, uh, it's motivating, right? Because it's like, it makes me feel, understand and feel like, that, yo, I'm not done, you know, I'm not done, you know, so. Especially yeah, like if you yeah. take into consideration the fact that, you know, you did kind of conquer a lot to just get to where you are right now, just to be here to talk to me. Yeah. Why not parlay that into something melodious, something, that, <laughs> that, you know what I mean? Something that yeah. has, yeah, you know, like it can't just be your experience, especially you know, you've been, the fact that you've been shooting all of your emotions through the filter of recorded material since you were what, 19 years old. Yeah. Even before that. I mean, I, 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 you know, other bands that nobody's ever heard of before that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just counting braid into the equation. Like, you know, like you got into braid in 95, right? 94 yeah 94 so I, yeah 18. I, I, turned, I turned 18 um after i joined the band yeah so taking all that that history into consideration and you you live this like massive chunk of life that's trying to say the least mm-hmm. it begs to be shot through the prism of a musical entity well i mean that's i mean that's what that's what being a musician is right that's what being an artist is right you have to channel that stuff and the truth is that um I, i literally um literally been like okay cool i i actually um finished building a studio above my garage recently and um uh so i'm really excited to it's not set up yet but um unfortunately i went like like after all this stuff um like you know i started working again and 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 we had some our house fixed a couple of things fixed we had our kitchen redone recently which is really nice we're able to do that you know um but um my basement flooded and so i had my studio in the basement and so i'm I'm literally right now i'm going i'm dealing with insurance claims like Mm -hmm. i literally submitted the the final insurance claim like the other day on a bunch of stuff i mean so like a lot of gear like pedals guitar pedals things that were just sitting in in sewage unfortunately there was about oh. we live this is old our house was, was built in like 1920 so we have to have to route it a lot the sewer line and um we just didn't didn't do it um in time and in any case um boy i wish you knew me back then because i would have done it for you really cheaply uh, yeah yeah well <laughs> I would, I would use you. Would, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, we, um, but the, so they, the insurance guys came and like the remediation guys came and then they, luckily I had to move all my stuff to my studio and they moved it all for me because I was emptying out the basement 
but unfortunately now my new studio that I just had just finished right um, is filled with with a ton of shit now because I was going to move it in nicely and put it set it all correctly but it takes it'll take a little time but anyway um, yeah so I'm excited to do that and um, there's some other stuff in the works like I, I'm I'm gonna I'll probably at some point do another sunset record um, and. But I'm really itching so badly to do something brand new again. And I think, you know, that's that I'll be honest, like sometimes that worries me. Sometimes I'm like, you know, it doesn't worry me that I want to do that. But what worries me is that um, like with the Sparrow and, and uh, someone like you, like you, like you followed. So, you know, like the stuff I do, but it's hard to follow when someone keeps doing new stuff. And so I would always wonder, like, should I just do it as this or should I do something new? And and it just, it just, if it's new, it's new. That's just the way it is for me. Like if I, if I feel like it's something new and it's fresh and it doesn't really fit into what the other thing is, I don't just continue that, that old thing and just re and just reinvent that name. Cause that, that was that. And maybe that was that group of people, even though like with the Firebird band, I think I had a very large rotating cast of characters in that band um, which is why the name changed as many times as it that's that's really. that's correct yeah yeah that's why it was the firebird suite and the project and then band um and then i was going to keep the name the firebird band for a while and i did i we put out a, a couple of things that way um and you can actually see quite a a difference between record number one and record number three really if you look oh, at yeah. The, the drive is the second record um but um but yeah and and so i thought that was i was going to keep that but then i felt like that's just stale now like it's just i don't want to keep doing that i want to do something fresh because it because that's not where my head is anymore does that make right. sense like yeah. when, when i could feel like it's almost like relationships like you like i'm not going to go back and try to revisit some relationship that didn't work out right or or for whatever reason just wasn't right or I'm done with or whatever it is. I'm not going to do the same thing with music, you know. No, I mean, one, one bite from a mad dog is enough. Let's that's right. That's right. Know? I mean, it doesn't mean that I won't like, you know. I think the one constant, which I didn't actually ever expect to be a constant, is kind of the relationship I have with the Braid guys. I think yeah. when we first originally broke up, we just thought like, that's it, we're done, you know. And like, see you later. I'm going to do my stuff. You guys do yours. Peace, you know. Yeah. Um, but over the years, we've just remained close and, and we talk about doing things once in a while and we're, we're just, we've just been on, you know, permanent hiatus, uh, until it's not permanent anymore. You know, we, we no, just decided that, to do stuff when we want, you know, special. that's very special because, you know, at this point, braid is like an institution braids, uh, braids a band that people are going to consistently return to and remember. So if, if you have that sort of halfway open door where you guys still enjoy each other's company. And... Right. Well, if we want to play and have fun and, and just do it, like, I don't see, like, it's fun. It's fun for us. Like I get to be with the, with those guys again, we get to play and we get to like really have a good time, you know, yeah. because um, you know, the energy's there. Uh, there there have been times though i'll tell you what the the thing about revisiting braid for me or if i had to do the firebird band again for example or something like that which 
there's not a demand for so i'm not going to but <laughs> but <clears throat> let's say there was um i kind of have to inhabit a role does that make sense because yeah, yeah, yeah. like like as as you grow and as you change you like i am not at all the same person i was when we did framing canvas it doesn't mean i don't want to play the songs or enjoy or enjoy the music or 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 be part of that it's just that when i do when i am a part of braid i kind of put myself back into that old like i i shoehorn myself back in sometimes it feels like you're shoehorning yourself back in um yeah and it's not it's not negative it's just a like i know the constraints i know where my boxes are i know where the line is i know where that um like i know like if i'm gonna if we're gonna do like let's say we were gonna do something new right like what we did in, in 2014 we, we did a new record which was no coast um I know what the lines are. Like there's an there 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 are specific. They're not they're not written. They're not anyone. No one is saying like we we only do this and we only do that. But there is a definite box, right? Yeah. And that box is what we fit inside of. There are there's room to poke through it in some places with and 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 um and I don't I don't. It's not like I feel constrained. I'm just aware. I'm aware of it. Yeah. And so there's a certain. Um, persona almost that i inhabit is that weird just no no because uh, you're revisiting a dynamic okay it's you're That's not right. becoming who you were then but you're reinserting yourself into a pre-existing dynamic that is that that organism that was and is braid right and, and that's why i talk about people mattering with mm -hmm. what the music that you're releasing like yeah, and, and I mean, I think if if people didn't matter, you know, like when Braid quit, they just would have replaced me and continued on, right? Right. Um, um, in in in, you know, if we want to be technical on that or talk about that from a feelings perspective, but the truth is, I think that um, people matter, and so with what you're with when you're playing, right? And so the dynamic, if the dynamic is this, and this is always what the dynamic is, there's room to shift it. But that shift with something like Braid would happen a lot faster if we had been playing together since since 1990, you know, 1994 and never stopped, right? We yeah. might have way different album now than we did in 1998 or whatever. But because we visited it, revisited in chunks, that that movement yeah. is slower, right? It's like a it's a slowly, you know, warping box. Still a box, yeah. but it's war it's warped a little bit maybe a few wrinkles you know but what's interesting about that too is the fact that you guys haven't been constantly and consistently been chiseling away at braid when you do return to it yes there's a familiarity but you're bringing with it everything that you'd done between the last time you'd been together and now yeah yeah which, yeah. Is, which is why the last record although still sounding somewhat like a braid record has a lot more there's there are far more colors on your palette mm, okay mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. the finished product is going to have a lot more flavors there's just there's just more to it it's a more dense and more cerebral experience in my opinion but like you'd said i've been listening since 
way back then. So I have, yeah. I have, I have a very specific purview like, of it, you know, yeah, well, like, uh, like an idea of what you're going to get. Right. Yeah. And yeah. And, and I think, I think that even that can shape sometimes what, what someone does. Right. Mm -hmm. So like one of the reasons that when I started the band sunset, um, the reason that I started sunset was because I had talked to, um, Steve Zanaver, who was the guy who started sunset with me. Like, you know, we were going to, we were going to actually do a new firebird band record, but what I didn't want to do is have expectations. Yeah. I didn't want anyone to say, well, this doesn't sound like Sunset or, or this, or sorry, this doesn't sound like the Firebird band or like, this isn't what I was expecting or it's too different or whatever. So I was like, well, we just have to start a new band and, and change the name. Cause I don't really want to play those old songs anymore. Cause that's not where I, I don't kind of live in that space anymore, you know? Right. And so we're starting something fresh. Let's do it fresh. But because what that does is it, it gets rid of, um, expectations about what someone should expect now does that bring more people along or less people along in my experience less people can less people follow you and it's i mean i can either grow as a musician or i can grow my following right, right. and i think if, if i had chose to you know sometimes i wish i had chosen the the, the latter right like, <laughs> like just kept doing what people expected of me so that I could then grow as a musician with them, like, you know, um, just wait 10 years to do it. You know what I mean? Right. Like, like how Radiohead did, right? Like Radiohead started mm -hmm. with, you know, like just kind of alt rock almost, right? And sure. moved way into art rock. And, and but that was a progression, right? Um, mm -hmm. and, and to start to do a progression with changing names and doing different stuff and have there be a quite obvious cut you know, between what this was and what this is, sometimes you, you lose people and that's okay. That's just the way it is. Yeah. I'm yeah, not going to stop playing music because of that, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. And it, it, to be fair, I don't, even though they're much acclaimed and, and lauded, are there the same amount of people who listen to Pablo honey, who hung on for the bends and then, okay. Oh, no, computers? no, yeah. no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah even though the albums got better. Yeah. The masses are not always going to be on board <laughs> for really good music. Just like if you were to take Meet the Beatles and put it next to Revolver. Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. or take the first Clash record and put it next to Sandinista. Mm -hmm. It's the same thing. It got better. It got more nuanced. It became more artistic. And a lot of record sales got lost along the way. Of course they did. Yeah, yeah. of course they did. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know what's interesting, though? A band like The Cure, right? The mm -hmm. Cure, they did it very well. Yeah. I mean, I and now I don't want to trash talk The Cure, but but I have to say one thing. I think after Wish it just sort of blended into one for me. Like it, it was did. like, okay, there's- Except like, for Blood Flowers, yes, I agree. So I felt like that happened. But now I just saw that that Robert Smith said that they're doing two records this year. Mm -hmm. And he was, I literally just saw like an interview somewhere, Enemy or something. And um, he was saying that, that they're doing two new records. And I'm really excited to hear him because 
I'll always love them. But I was going to say the one thing that they did, th at least through um, Wish for me, was that they really did. Like, if you listen to Boys Don't Cry, you can hear that it's the same band on Wish. Just yeah. Wish is production, production, production. And, yeah. um, and also, like, more... It's a little more subdued and, and not subdued. It's just, just became more pop. And maybe it's because Robert Smith got better at writing pop, right? Um, or whatever. And disintegration was that was the sort of the, um, the, his little foray into like, I'm going to go weird for a minute. I'm going to get weird. Guys, I'm about to get weird, y'all. And then he did put, yeah. but, he, but he threw love song on there, right? Um, and, but that record's great, right? Also, 17 seconds, don't love that record. Um, there's a couple of good songs, like A Forest, I think, is on there. And, uh, and, so and stuff good. like that. Uh, such a good song. Um, uh, but if, if you're taking the cure into consideration, there's basically two to three cure iterations. Yeah, five. The, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like within that, within the the confines of that band, because you get the boys don't cry, you know, three imaginary boys. Cure. Yeah. Then you get yeah. the the pornography disintegration blood flowers cure. Then yeah. you get the kiss yes. me, kiss me, kiss me. Cure and yeah, and yeah. they and they existed in chunks almost. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, but like blood flowers, which is kind of a return to pornography and disintegration. Yeah, after, yeah, after, yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, it's it's a, to be a band that existed for as long as they did. They took on a few different personalities that they revisited from time to time. Yeah, yeah, and that's I that's right. That's a if, good thought. Yeah, I yeah. think if you're gonna keep the same name and. A like not even a majority, but a couple of the same um, members. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna have to approach it as if, okay, we're in this phase again, guys. That's right. Yeah, this is what I'm feeling. We're gonna revisit this vibe now. Like, right? Yeah. I can. I mean, I could almost hear it. Like, like I could almost hear it in my head if that's what I was thinking. Like, oh, we should do this kind of thing again. I'm feeling this vibe again lately. Right? Whatever it is. Right. It's, it's yeah. and like conversely. You take someone like Depeche Mode into consideration. Mm -hmm. Depeche Mode went from pure sugary electropop, almost boy band electropop, and then you introduce depression and drugs. And, yeah, and, 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 and in industrial music, right? Yeah, and, right. and 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 you know, Einstein's a new botan, and yeah. you know, the, the their German influence specifically. Yeah, you start to get black celebration you start to get violator mm -hmm. and music for the masses before it like like and and at least with them it's there there's there's a trajectory that maybe ebbs and flows but they're still kind of the same band yeah yeah the, that's right they are yeah they really are i mean the, and the I cure mean, you get phased better at it that's all yeah right yeah yeah and all the cures phases with maybe a, a, a hiccup or two, I think mm -hmm. is all, all pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're right. You're right. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the, that's the thing about like, that's one band like the cure, for example, that was able to kind of stick with it, stay true to what they kind of did. And, but, but just go weird when they want, you know, go yeah. for it. And, you know, not, not as, art 
weird as like you know um necessarily what radiohead did but at the time yes it was right? yeah at the time of course it was mm -hmm. it was definitely unique and different and dark and weird and goth you know yeah and, and that was that was that gothic influence right so yeah anyway but what yeah. i want well, i think with what to kind of wrap up what i was driving at with those two examples even though you're not in the same band and with oh any, not any even any of the same, any, in any stretch of the imagination in the same kind of like but, at the same level yeah no yeah. but you're allowed you're allowed to move in these phases of course you like you cured it you yeah. you you get to you get to approach these aspirations with the same zeal and you still get to own it yeah. especially now after you've faced everything you've faced and seen everything you've seen and you know like you don't know anyone anything anymore now now in in all actuality you can just do this strictly for you without any apology because in all honesty who do you owe nobody you're nobody. right nobody i mean and and the, the real truth is that um i think that's also why i've just been feeling I mean, look, part of it is, I'll be totally honest, I think part of it is going to be therapeutic, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot that, um, it's been, you know, boiling. It just, it's, it, it's not like a, it's not like a, like a, like a volcano. It's more like, a, it's just there, it just sits there. I can feel it. Like I, I always, when, when I'm ready to write a record, I feel it. I feel this physical, like it sits in my chest here. Mm -hmm. and it's it's like it's really almost like right in the heart like i feel it right now um it's um it's just it's very visceral it's very um like i know i gotta get this out of me you know and, yeah. and that's i mean but i think that's that's what i've always done right and, and i hope that that's what everybody else does because i like the feeling you know i i yeah. as a musician yes i that's that's always been the same sort of physical visceral uh, palpable reaction mm -hmm. to a uh, uh, festering idea. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. there and you know, it's there and it's just sitting there. All you have to do is just lift up the, just give, like for me, I just have to give myself the time to open the box, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, you I know. think that's why I do this now. I mean, the pandemic's the reason why I do a, a podcast that and my wife saying you need to do this because <laughs> you, you've got a, you've got a cool voice and you went to school for English and yeah. you're not using your degree. So do yeah, it, do it. Yeah. But yeah. in all honesty, like I, I, what I'd wanted to do was just sort of scale across a, a confluence of different artists that I, I actually appreciated like I'm not pandering to people I don't like at this point. I'm just, you know, I'm too old for that shit. I'm of going. You're I'm doing going, it for yourself, right? I mean, I'm doing, doing this for me. Yeah, yeah. And through that, in in a very special way, I'm doing it for these people, such as yourself, who I really appreciate. So even though I'm not writing an album and not getting that release, I still get a release out of it because I'm still casting some sort of light on this beautiful array of, of artists that meant something to me throughout 
the course of my 45 years. And that's amazing. Like a lot of them have been newer because let's face it. A lot of the people in our age group are probably not operating any longer, but I talked to you. I talked to Duncan Barlow, you know, from guilt from endpoint, you know, I get, I I, I actually, I I started trying to look up the podcast and I, I, almost started i did start listening to the duncan barlow one i'm like you know what i'm not going to listen to this because i don't want to be colored by any I, like that's also something i do when i'm writing records like i, yeah. I don't listen to records i don't, I don't either at all i only listen to what i'm doing until i'm done because yeah. i don't want to be influenced also like so i saw your podcast and we talked about doing it and everything and mm-hmm. uh, i was like yeah let's do it it sounds interesting and um i didn't listen because i did not want to um I didn't want to spoil the conversation because I, right. I like having conversations with people. So that's why I actually was like, yeah, let's talk. It sounded like it was going to be a good talk. And actually it has really has been. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I mean, this has been yeah. beneficial for me. Um, you know, I love it, sharing ideas and, and, and I mean, one of my favorite things in the world to do growing up, like when once I started meeting people, you know, in different scenes and, and a scene was a thing. Yeah. Going to coffee, going sitting down and have coffee. People don't do that now. No, you know? and no. um, I miss it. I really miss that. And so, but it's because it's it's you get to bounce off ideas off each other, talk about life, you know, talk yeah. about interesting things, right? I want to talk about art and music every day. I want to talk about it with people. I don't get to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I love it. It's my favorite thing in the world to do outside of making it. You know, so it's and it's mind blowing because like I've if I were to collect not only the things I did in fanzines or or while I was playing in bands, but just stories of, uh, you know, going and sitting in a Denny's drinking coffee with uh, an interesting group of people like this band, the band that I will mention at the end of this anecdote happened to be like multi Grammy award winning platinum selling artists. But when I'd met them they were in a really fringe yeah. <laughs> r- really fringe metalcore band in the mid 90s uh okay. and i sat down with them and they were just these like really sweet really interesting artistic beautiful people and i i i i got to really like kind of sample who they were as humans and their souls and i never would have expected that 15 to 16 years later, they would become fallout boy. Oh yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? But they were, they were in race trader and Arma Angelus at the time. And you know, like I had no, I, I think I must've known, but I just forgot that one of the guys was in race trader. Yeah. 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 Joe Troman was in race trader and the other guys were in Arma Angelus. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't know that band. Yeah. Yeah, They they were like, they were like a, a, a lower tier, metal core band okay. they were cool yeah. they were cool it yeah. wasn't it wasn't really my main thing because yeah. if, if it, it was, was but if it was it, in the scene that you were involved in yeah you went and you hung out right yeah and yeah. That, that's like that was the other thing about the scene about us doing that stuff right it was always about just talking inter- meeting interesting people doing interesting things and they weren't always like the people that i became friends with weren't always in the best coolest bands right at right. the time right i mean some of them went on to be in great bands and some of them didn't but didn't color how i felt about them right no just it just but the the the, the thing about it is though is that um 
you get to talk about art. You get to talk about music. And we, that's where we you bonded over neurosis. ideas. Yeah. We yeah. bonded over like a, like I had a neurosis through silver and blood t-shirt. Yeah. Like, yes. That's my favorite band. I'm like, and Patrick Stump, the singer of Fallout Boys, like, I love them. They're my favorite band. Can you think yeah. of that guy listening to Neurosis? Yeah, no, yeah. None of well, us can, but I mean, sure, but he does. I mean. He does. Yeah, 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 yeah. he does. So, like, there's always that seed of reciprocity, no matter what you go on to do. And I can't judge them for making the music they make. No. How can I? How can Why, I? It's not my you? thing, but yeah. how can I? It's fine. It's yeah. fine. Yeah, I'd ra I'd rather listen to what you're doing, honestly. Well, I I appreciate that. I wish I wish more people felt that way. <laughs> <laughs> I wish as many people that felt the same way about Fall Out Boy felt that way about. Yeah, but you know what I mean. I, I, I mean, I, I I mean I, I am joking, but yeah. also not joking. Yeah. No, no, but I mean, who wouldn't yeah. want that? Who wouldn't yeah. want that? But you yeah. still get to command your area. And it's it's yours. It's unequivocally yours. I mean, like there yeah. are always going to be those people who are going to listen to whatever you do. You do without prejudice. Sure. And and that's I don't have that. I've been playing music since 1988. Mm -hmm. I don't have that. But you do. Yeah, I mean, I have to count myself lucky in some of those respects for sure. And and I'll be honest, like. Um, the, the, it is crazy um, to me to think that some of the stuff that that I did and that we did, you know, um, whatever, 20, 20 something years ago, right, 25 years ago or, or more is important to people and, and is still relevant, right? To, because to me, um, that's way more than I ever expected, you know, ever. Yeah. But what I I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm talking about sunset two and a half years ago, three years ago. <laughs> you know, I mean, that was important to me. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. I mean, it was a, it was a, um, that was a difficult record. We wrote that one while I was going through treatment and stuff. Um, not through cancer treatment, but through, uh, what I talked about before with, um, alcoholism. Right. Um, no, and, Part of that was written then and before before and during then and then we had gotten it ready for release and um i decided i was going to put it out myself um and um well partly because the label that we went with on the first record um they had an option but to to, to do the next one but um we just didn't have uh, nothing against them or I don't think they have anything against us. We just didn't have an agreement on what we wanted to do for the second record. So I just mm -hmm. said, oh, I'll do it. Um, and so, um, but yeah, we, we, we got it ready. We, we were, we were ready to go. I got diagnosed with cancer. And if you look at like, if you look at those promo photos that we did for that record, because we did the promo photos around May, I had, I think, I, maybe we did it in like April. I think I probably took the photos in April, but um, it was right after I had like massive surgery to remove a bunch of stuff. And um, like I had to go in and um, 
take the dark circles out of my eyes and stuff because it was so i mean it was so obvious that i was like sick at the time so those photos are 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 definitely um there's a little bit i mean it's not crazy doctored it's just the the dark circles are removed because it was because i was i mean i was like i had just had major surgery and it was it was crazy it was crazy so um but yeah we had to get it done because i was like well, I mean, I got to put this record out. I don't know if I'm going to die. You know, I mean, I'll, I'll be frank, you know, that's how I felt. You know, I yeah. got to get this record done. It's It was being mixed already and it's ready to go. And uh, I don't think it was being mixed yet. It was about to be mixed. Um, I have my friend, my old friend, Chris Common, mix it and master it. But yeah, man, I mean, you know, um, that record was an experiment in, in and of itself. I, I, I didn't want to really sing anymore in the band. I just really wasn't feeling um, motivated um, to sing for the second record. Um, second record is called It's Hard to Be Loved by You. Um, yeah. And um, which, which is my favorite of the two, believe it or not. Oh, is it really? Yeah. yeah. That's yes. great. That's awesome. I, I mean, that's cool to hear because um, I don't feel like I get that. I feel I, for but also I, I um, it's different it, again, between the two records, there's always going to be differences between records. If, if there's not, then why are you doing more records? That's how I feel. Exactly. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I had my wife sing on it and uh, mm-hmm. I actually had started, I was like, I don't, uh, maybe my wife and I shouldn't be in a band together. That's what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. And so I had asked her and she's like, I don't want to do it. I don't think and I'm like, okay. So I, I, I started looking online. I'm like, I started posting like, hey, any any girls want to sing in a band that you know that I know, like on Instagram and stuff, like just trying to find people that I know that might want to sing, you know, or someone that somebody knows, right? Yeah. I was actually gonna start taking out Craigslist ads too, but I was like, oh, I don't want to do that again. So <laughs> um, so anyway, so then it was like I had had a couple people send me some stuff, like I'd sent some demos to some people for some vocal stuff, and and everybody sent me some vocals, and I was like, eh. You know, it was fine. Some of it was fine. Some of it was good. Um, but I remember my wife listening to it with me and she just, you know, my wife's, my wife isn't shy. She's just like, nah, you know, no, you know, she's, and so finally, so she's like, I'll just do it. I'm like, okay, great. Cause that's what I wanted <laughs> in the first place. Right? Yeah. And so, so then, um, so she did, it was really cool. I mean, she, she would, because I, I was having a lot of trouble cause I had the songs kind of ready for I think maybe at least a year, like some of them were like sitting there in like an almost done state for like a year. And I would just keep adding or doing something to it or like, oh, you know, like I don't like this electronic part. I'll I'll replace it with a guitar that does something similar. And in this spot, I'll do this. So I really, really let those songs kind of sit with me for a while. I listened to them a lot, a lot. But I listened to them so much that they became almost instrumentals to me. So I just lost the will and the ability to make up a new melody because I was just singing the like synth parts or the guitar parts or whatever. Like I would just sing along when it would come on. Like, yeah, this sounds good. But I'm like, but it's not done because there's no vocal, but I can't think of a melody. So yeah, so so I gave it to her and, and uh, she just, she'd be like, she'd sit there for 45 minutes and be like, all right, I'm done. Let's go record it. Let's do it. You know what I mean? So then we yeah. just go straight down into the studio at the house here when it was in the basement. And um, I'd hook it up, record it. And then we were done. We were done in like, you know, two hours. 
from like writing the lyrics for one song like per song you know but like um write the lyrics go down record it and then you know and then like do it again the next day or whenever we felt like we had time you know um it's, it was fun it was really fun and you know i mean it, you know she she's not shy with what she's singing about you know it's it's really good stuff like she she was honest with her with what she was talking about it's great it was really good i said you know one of the things i told her i said look i'm not going to ask you if any of these are about me but like you know i don't remember if i said that exactly but i was kind of like okay well you know this one's you know, i i know what this is about right and so <laughs> i was like just don't be shy sing sing exactly what you what you wrote down don't worry about what i think just do it for real like yeah. it's okay if like i don't care what it is if it's if it's what you wrote just sing it and so she did and i just took it as like let's just get the best performance this sounds great this is real and it that's the way i felt and that's how that's how that's how that record came out so um so yeah it was fun it was a fun that's record incredible story and you know taking into consideration everything everything that's occurred over all of these many years especially since you know 2020 what is it what do you think is the one thing you truly take away from all of this you know all of this experience all of this separating yourself from you know the obsession of addiction to getting kind of to the other side of you know uh, facing down mortality and and the the very all-encompassing and palpable nature of what one could only construe as the grim reaper breathing down your neck to right now what what's the one thing you've taken from all of that hmm. i think um you know i think that um i think the main i mean the thing that keeps coming back in my mind a lot is that life is short you know um, no matter what, no matter whether you're 45, 25, 85, no matter what, it's short. And um, you got to be the best person you can be, you know, you, because you don't get another shot at it. And like the only thing, like if, you know, if nothing matters, then, then we're all doomed, you know? Yeah. And so it does matter to be here right that existential threat of being in the middle of you know an empty void that's so big that it's just it's unfathomable and 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 in in just you're unable to wrap your head around it that stuff doesn't really matter you know the truth is that the people that you the things that you do and the people that you affect are what's important because you're shaping a real future for real people for real human beings and 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 other things and and i think that you know if i can give um feeling and emotion and art 
and people can enjoy that and, and, and feel something from that. That's just my own way of, you know, I mean, if I have to wrap it in a bow, that's my own way of, of, of giving, right? Um, but the other side of that is that, you know, not, not only do I have to have like lofty, like I don't have to have lofty goals. I just have to have, I just have to try, you know? Yeah. And I think, I think that's the, the thing that I've taken away is that, you know, um, since there is only one chance, like if I'm not going to try to be a good person or a better person or try to try to be the best dad or the best husband or, or, or try to put out music that I like or, or, or try to enjoy my life or try to do the things that I want to do. If you don't try, you never will do anything you know, and nothing good will come, right? So if you, if I know that, that something is not right, then, then I can fix it, you know? And I think that's something that I didn't know before. I didn't know that I could fix it. And sometimes you can't fix it. There aren't things that you can fix, but there are just, just a different way of looking at things, you know? Like nothing is in, I think the truth is nothing is insurmountable. Nothing. It can't be. That it it can't be that 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 there's anything that's insurmountable, because then we just all have to give up. You know. I don't want to give up. I, I I have to tell you, I that's that's beautiful. I I, I appreciate I, it. Yeah. I don't think that. I don't think that there's any better way to leave this than that. That is the most perfect bow we could put on this. Yeah. Well, I feel that way. That's that's gorgeous. That is gorgeous. I got to ask you, would you come on again when you have an album ready to go? Absolutely. Yeah. This has been a really good time. This has been a, a good conversation. An honor and a privilege and a pleasure. Thanks, Peter. Coming you too. right from here. I really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, man. I appreciate it too much. Thanks, dude. All right, brother. I All hope right. you have a great night and go enjoy your family. You too. Happy right. Friday. Hope you get to do some enjoyable things this weekend, man. You as well. All right. Peace. Keep in, keep in touch, all right? You too, Peter. All right, Bye. brother. Bye. That was my highly emotional an incredible conversation with Chris Broach. As you heard, Chris and I have an awful lot in common. And for as much as we have in common, I haven't experienced quite what he has. You know, I, I have to say there, um, there really is something special going on here uh, with these episodes, with these conversations I've been having with people. I tend to get put in the right place at the right time with the right people. You hear the phrase thrown around quite a bit that hurt people hurt people. But I think just as often hurt people benefit other hurt people. My wife likes to call me the punk rock Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> and I don't know how true that is, but um, there is an awful lot of emotion flying around on this podcast. And I really wouldn't have it any other way. I would rather have just a handful of 
really tear-filled and emotional conversations than one million conversations with very famous, very boring, trite musicians, artists, authors, actors. As you heard, Chris will be back for a part two at some point, and I couldn't be happier. So listen, everybody. I hope you're out there taking care of yourselves, taking care of each other. He's been Chris. I've been Peter. You've been beautiful. From 3.33 a.m. Studios, this has been the Book of Very, Very Bad Things podcast.